Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we ask that not-so-tricky question, what's your jam in the jam stack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week we have Anthony Campalo, a full-stack web developer and Redwood JS advocate. All right, Anthony. Well, thanks for coming on the show with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the pod, so it's great to be here. Excellent. I appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a boot camp student. I'm someone who is kind of coming to programming from uh, a different area of life. I was originally a music teacher and then also ran a performing arts summer camp for about four years and just decided that I don't know, I wanted to try something else out. And, you know, the the journey I got to to coding is is long and winding, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit as we as we go on. But um, right now I am at Lambda School and learning full stack web development. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Nice. So, so you're uh, at Lambda School, you do that kind of full time for a small cohort, right? Yeah. So they have a full time and a part time program. So full time is a nine month program. And then part-time is an 18-month program. So I actually started full-time and then switched to part-time. So I've, I've done a little bit of, of both. It kind of just depends on, you know, if you're also working to support yourself as well or if you can really do it kind of full-time. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's nice because they have that flexibility so people can kind of choose the schedule that, that fits for them. Very cool. So uh, what do you do outside of obviously now you're learning to code? What's kind of what, what's your idea of fun nowadays? Yeah, so I've gotten just really into open source. And, um, you know, it's the type of thing where I'm doing it both to to eventually help my my career. But it is something that I've I've really enjoyed. And I've learned a lot about um, Redwood JS. In particular, mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time blogging about it. And I've also given uh, a couple meetup talks about it. I did one at Jamstack Denver. And um, another one for GraphQL Texas, and I'm also now I'm doing some some podcasts. I got both Jamstack podcasts done by Brian, <laughs> so nice. that's good. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where where I'm at now. I'm I'm really kind of deep into into the Redwood world. Very cool, very cool. So uh, obviously you're you're a a bootcamp student, so so you're picking up development as you go along. But uh, what was kind of your entry point into this idea of the Jamstack? Was it Redwood or was it something something else in the past? Yeah, so definitely was way before Redwood, and already kind of being familiar with with the Jamstack made it easy to kind of get what Redwood was was going for. But to to take it back a little bit, I originally before. I was doing any web development stuff. I was actually learning like data science and machine learning stuff is what I was first trying to get into. And a lot of people who do that type of research, they have their own personal websites as well to talk about the stuff they're working on. And there's a couple where I would scroll the bottom and it would say it was created with um, Jekyll. And Mm. so Jekyll is, funny enough, static site generator created by the creator of Redwood, Tom Preston Warner. And so I think that was probably the first time I ever had heard of the term static site. And um, I ended up not going that route. I ended up just making a, a WordPress website when I was first getting into like blogging. But then once I started to transition more into 
web development and learning JavaScript and React in particular. Then I learned about Gatsby. And so I spun up a Gatsby blog and I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I would hear podcasts with with Kyle from from Gatsby or like Matt from Netlify. And so I was I was hearing all these all these people like talking about these ideas and it was just kind of floating around. So it was it's been a kind of a slow, slow roll into it. But um it's definitely it's just like it's a huge massive thing that's just there. And if you kind of pay attention, it's hard not to poke that bubble every now and then. Yeah, exactly. And so so you said that you were kind of when you were getting into development, you were doing, you know, more on the machine learning side and some, some of that like more computer sciencey stuff. Uh, what's kind of your 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 plan? Where do you want to go with web development uh, kind of in a, in a post boot camp world and, and all that? Sure. Right now, I mean, I'm really into just kind of like the the dev advocacy side of it because I really enjoy creating the tutorials. I enjoy going out and talking about these things. And my background as an educator um, kind of fits really well in that in that niche. And there's, you know, there's different kind of corners that that people go for. There's some are kind of more education focused, some are more outreach focused, some are more about like bringing feedback back from the the community and um so Redwood's been cool because all the kind of mechanisms for feedback are already in place. So I see myself more as just like getting out and explaining it to people. Like, what is this? How does it work? And then that's like kind of the whole role that I've kind of monopolized. <laughs> nice. And, and you've got kind of that, that arts background, which definitely helps when it's like framing the story of how to do that education too. That's always a handy thing to kind of have in your tool belt. Yeah, you definitely need to be able to put things into a narrative for people to really want to like pay attention, especially for, for technical things. But, um, I find that the history of, of this thing is, is so fascinating. And I've actually spent a lot of time writing about kind of this transition from static site generators into the jam stack. And now even like the jam stack is, is turning into something else that we're not quite sure what it is yet. Cause you know, like <laughs> we've, we've gotten rid of the acronym and now jam stack is stands for nothing. And it's just kind of like an architecture. And so I'm really interested in those kind of ideas of like, where is the Jamstack going? Yeah, definitely. I think I think that there are so many new technologies kind of coming out, Redwood being among them, Next.js having like all these new ideas around what static and and like server side and what, what, what these different pieces bring to the table and how they can kind of be intermingled. I'm kind of curious, like, how does Redwood see itself? Because I know it's a it's a full stack front end kind of application builder uh but what what's the community kind of see in terms of like where it's going yeah so it's called a full stack serverless framework for the jam stack so you have the jam stack part which is about having your front end be just static assets that you can serve from a globally distributed cdn and then the the full stack part is how do we get those same benefits attached to the database and, and the back end? So it's about how do we also get that back end to be distributed globally, which um, like FaunaDB is doing a lot of really interesting research there. And then you have the serverless part of it, which is um, how do you get your whole application to be sort of smushed into just these like AWS Lambda handlers 
or you know Google Cloud functions or Azure functions. Mm-hmm. So the backend is set up in a way so it's easily deployable to these sort of functions as a service serverless backends. So it's and then also I, I didn't even mention GraphQL. Like GraphQL is what, kind of what ties the two together. And then so there's a lot of there's a lot of tech that that goes into it, and it takes a long time to kind of wrap your head around. Which is why I've like spent a lot of time writing about it and talking about it, and you know I have hours and hours of, of material <laughs> about it at this point. How are you kind of pursuing uh, kind of Redwood right now, uh, like professionally, personally? What what are you building with it? What what are the applications that you kind of see optimized around what Redwood can do? Yeah, so the first thing I did was just go through the tutorial. And this is what I would really recommend everyone who is getting into this. You should just go through the the whole tutorial and kind of build out that project because they started with what they call tutorial-driven development, which is sort of a play on readme-driven development, which is another term Tom was using a while ago. And the idea being that you create the tutorial and then you build the framework to make the tutorial work. And so it's it's a really crucial part of it. And now that I've kind of gone through that, um, it what it does is it has you deploy to Netlify for your front end and then Heroku for your back end to set up a Postgres database. So I'm really interested in kind of like other deploy targets and other databases you can link it up to. So I... Um, wrote an article about how to connect it to FaunaDB. And then that was also deployed on Vercel. And then there's other people who are doing work with like the serverless framework and like Azure Postgres. So I'm interested in kind of like now that I know how to build out a Redwood project is like what are the different ways we can deploy it and what are you know the different ways that we can get it out actually onto the internet. Yeah, and like how can we do uh, that, that database structure? Because that's, you know, traditionally what's always been the uh, fun, challenging aspect of the Jamstack is like, how do you get that third-party data in? And if you're having it be your own database at that point, like a Heroku Postgres kind of idea, that's not that doesn't necessarily fit in with some of the other Jamstack ideals. Whereas a FaunaDB type solution might, and like serverless functions and Lambda uh, might over like you know hosting elsewhere. How how is that going? How does that feel in terms of? ripping out a Postgres server and installing a NoSQL server or maybe a third-party data API of some other sort. It's really interesting. And another thing you have to consider with this is what we haven't talked about yet is Prisma. And Prisma is, it's called a query builder. So it's a little bit like an ORM, but a little bit lower level. And that's what you use to do a lot of your database work for like Postgres or MySQL or like SQLite. So as I said, when you go through the the regular tutorial, you you eventually have a Postgres database and you're using SQLite in development. And Prisma is what you use for like your migrations and a, a bunch of stuff like that. So you have to rip out Prisma to use Fauna. So that's actually kind of the biggest thing you have to consider is do you need the functionality that Prisma gives you? And, you know, some people don't because they're, they've never used it and they don't even, they don't even know what, what it does. So, um, but once you kind of learn Redwood through the tutorial, you learn it with Prisma. So it can be easy or it can be hard to kind of tell where the two actually where the line is between the two because Redwood's CLI actually reaches into Prisma CLI. And when you do Redwood commands, some of them are actually Prisma commands. So so for me, I actually learned a lot through the Fauna project in terms of just like, where is the boundary between 
Redwood and Prisma. And so that's kind of the thing you're going to have to to figure out if you want to decide which kind of route you want to go with with your database when you're using Redwood. It's, it's interesting. Like uh, one of the things I've kind of seen in, in the Jamstack world in general, uh, but with some of the, the conversations around Redwood is this idea that opinionated frameworks aren't a bad thing. So like, you know, Gatsby comes with its unique flavor of React and it's tightly coupled with GraphQL. Redwood's coming with its own brand of things. I've actually heard it favorably compared to uh, to Rails in a lot of ways. Like it, it allows you to create things very quickly if you're doing it in their opinionated way. It seems like we're going a lot in that direction so that if if you have a set of opinions that you like, you can find some sort of tooling around it. And it seems like Redwood is kind of settling into a, a very specific niche there. Absolutely. This is a big thing with other frameworks that are compared to it a lot. You have like Blitz is another like Rails-inspired, opinionated, full-stack framework. And then um, you have Bison um, by Chris Ball, which is a really interesting project that um, is is still pretty new and it is up and coming. But um, it's, yeah, I like it because it's nice to have options. And it's nice for me as a beginner to be able to see a stack put together. And so even if, you know, I end up moving away from Redwood and doing other things. Just learning how the Redwood stack was put together is has given me things that I can take for, for the rest of my career. So it's it's not about like this is the one true way to to do kind of development so much as like here's a way that we think works for us through our experience as as developers and taking bits and pieces from different frameworks they've used in the past. And and the, the Rails comparison is interesting because I think this can actually trip some people up. In they think of Redwood like Rails. And so they think, you know, whatever advantages or disadvantages Rails has, Redwood will have those same advantages and disadvantages. But actually, it was made to contrast Rails in certain ways as well. There are things that Tom doesn't like about Rails that he specifically is trying to do different. So I think that's that's an important thing to note too, is that the don't get hung up like too much on the Rails thing, is that it's Rails inspired in the sense that. It wants to have like a happy path, but what that happy path is is not the same thing as Rails. Yeah, and 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 definitely, you know, when I mentioned that, I, I, it's it takes the positive side of like being able to scaffold quickly and build quickly from the Rails ideology and kind of runs with that. I um, mean, I think it's really really interesting that you know coming from uh, you know Tom's kind of Rails background and, and working on various things in the past, he's been able to bring uh, that sort of hard knocks education into what he built. I think that, I mean, you, you mentioned it, I think you're exactly right, that um, it's one of the best ways to learn is to take a very opinionated framework and see how somebody has set it up. Somebody who has, you know, decades of experience, you then get to learn from those decades of experience, which I think is a very, very powerful tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. And uh, it's not just Tom too, like actually Peter, uh, Peter Pistorius, he's worked on, a lot more of the code than than Tom has. And I, I say he's kind of like the Rosetta Stone of this project is that it came out of the work that Peter and Tom were doing on Chatterbug. And so they were, you know, doing React and, and GraphQL and all that kind of stuff. And they and they wanted to put together a framework that would work for that, that would give them the same sort of benefits they had from Rails, but with this new technology. And I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself a little bit here, and I'm I'm not too afraid of that, I suppose. But uh one of one of my biggest learning experiences, and this has been 
a decade ago now, uh, was actually I, I I primarily used jQuery back in the day, as many people who were you know doing web development a, a decade ago were doing. Um, and the biggest thing I learned was when I actually read through the code of jQuery and dissected how it worked, which was, mind you, like five years after just using the framework is like diving in and saying, oh, that's how JavaScript callbacks work. Or, you know, it, like all the pieces that I hadn't experienced and hadn't had to write because of jQuery, I then was able to learn by reading it. And I think that, that a lot can be said about, you know, these new frameworks and that as well. It's like, learn how to use it you know, get its system under kind of your belt and then like, wait, no, now how did they write that? How does that function? And like, it just, there's so many educational opportunities. Yeah, it's a weird time getting in now because learning things like React, like uh, I know that I should try and like read through the React source code, but it's it's hard and it's really hard to even know like what what to to get out of that. And, you know, they also talk about how you can't really do view source anymore because of how much, all the all the stuff gets minified and, and spit out. So yeah, it's it's really hard to even know. Like you're using all these tools and where to even break in to try and figure out how they how they work. Luckily, it's like docs have gotten a lot better. So really, like you should just read through you know the the React docs front to back. And I find most people you know they don't even do that. But um yeah, back in the day where you could just go read through the source code, I think that's um so not really a thing you can do very much these days. That's fair. And yeah, I guess there's also like the idea of like all the code splitting that we do too. Whereas, you know, jQuery used to be, you know, one directory with like, you know, 10 files in it, nothing, nothing major. You know, now if, if I were to rewrite jQuery, it would be a hundred files, you know, 150 files just to do that same functionality. And I, I, the same can easily be said for, you know, React and for the, for the meta frameworks built on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meta frameworks and meta meta frameworks because there's now frameworks built on top of frameworks like Blitz and Bison are built on top of Next. So I, I find that really interesting how you have all these different layers, like further and further layers of abstraction with frameworks built on top of frameworks. It's it's super fascinating. Yeah, you can you can go back and uh, in like the first dozen or so episodes of the podcast, like I was talking with a bunch of Gatsby people, a few Next people, and I, I would ask like how do you refer to this? Because it's not a static site builder anymore. That's not what this is. It's not a static site generator. Um, and, and they were like, oh, you know, it's an application framework. And then uh, a guest I had second half of the se- first season was like, oh, Google is calling it meta frameworks. And I was like, you know, that makes sense. A framework on top of a framework. But yeah, then we've now got meta meta frameworks which is (laughs) exciting but the language uh, feels a little tortured about it yeah i know jason langstorff was calling gatsby a content mesh at one point Mm. which i thought that was a really fascinating term especially because of how it uses graphql and this idea of kind of like you have this one universal middle layer between your back ends and your front ends and so you can create whatever front end you want and then pull in whatever combination of back ends you want and um yeah, that's the thing that I found really interesting with with Redwood is is just when you have GraphQL baked in from the start, like what you can kind of do with that and what kind of power that gives you. It's I really like GraphQL. That's been the thing I've enjoyed learning the most out of Redwood for yeah. sure. It's definitely way better than uh, than going and getting the entire like JSON return response from an API that has you know dozens of things that you don't need inside of it. I'll always appreciate what GraphQL did around that. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I imagine a lot of back-end people are like, GraphQL is a 
not simpler it's much more challenging (laughs) it just seems like it's simpler once it's set up so um yeah i definitely sympathize with with people who who think you know it's a it's a huge startup cost but i think that the benefit that your your front end gets from just being able to have really flexible queries is is just you know it's really high definitely so i i think i can make some assumptions here um but what would you say that your jam in the jam stack is i'm assuming Redwood and GraphQL, but I want to leave the door open. Whatever else you want to say in here, uh, anything goes. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what I've invested the most time into, into learning and to communicating. But um, I am really fascinated by the the entire ecosystem. And um, I'm starting to learn a little bit of like Nuxt because I'm really interested in, in View 3 with like the composition API and how all the changes are going to come in with that. Um, I'm really interested in Svelte and like Sapper. And I just heard about Elder, which is supposedly like the new static site generator thing for, for Svelte. That's supposed to be really good. So yeah, Redwood is definitely like my bread and butter right now, but I'm constantly expanding out and trying to look at what else is out there and, and other ways to do things. Cause I find that for me, that's the best way for me to learn is to compare different ways of, of doing things. And then, you know, if I'm in one framework and it doesn't have something another framework has, then I can figure out how to implement it myself. And very cool. So What's your actual jam right now? What's your musical jam? What's your favorite song or musician? What's in your earphones? Yeah, so I used to be a full-time professional musician. So music is obviously a a big thing for me. Uh, My favorite band has always been Radiohead. Going back to like, I first got into them around when In Rainbows came out, which was like 2007. So it's my favorite band ever since then. Um, I really enjoy Bon Iver. Um, I first got into him back when his first album came out and his career has just been incredible to see now. He's like, you know, he's been on Kanye West albums and you know, he's been nominated for Grammys and all that. And then like just 90s indie rock. So like Nutra Milk Hotel, uh, Modest Mouse, uh, Built to Spill, you know, that, that whole kind of scene um, that was always really influential to me. So yeah, those are some of my favorite bands and artists. Very cool. All right. And uh, is there anything that you would like to promote, something you're doing you want to get out to the Jamstack world at large? Yeah. So um, there's this thing called FS Jam. So full stack Jamstack. It's, um, you know, it's what Redwood is is going under right now. And uh, a friend of mine, Christopher Burns, he is kind of creating like an organization around this. So the Twitter handle is FS Jam ORG. So FS Jam org. And we'll be putting out some content and possibly even getting a podcast going. Um, so yeah, that'll be something to look for. Very cool. Some, something to stay tuned for, as they say in the industry, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you, Anthony, so much for coming on the show today. And I hope you keep doing amazing stuff with Redwood, but also beyond, as you're saying, like there's so much to learn and so much to uh, to write in, right? Totally. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's It's been a blast. I'm, I'm always really enjoying the the content you put out and I've learned a lot. So continue to do what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Anthony, and thanks to everyone out there listening week after week. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a star, heart, review, rating, whatever, in your podcast app of choice. Until next time, keep doing amazing things on the web and keep things jammy.